You're listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. We're excited tonight to have Dr. Michael Maidens sharing the word. I met Dr. Maiden in November of this last year, and he had an incredible word for me personally, but also for resurgence. And I just knew at that time we had to invite Dr. Maiden to come. Dr. Maiden is a pastor of the Church of the Nations in Phoenix, Arizona. He also oversees about 6,000 churches. He's authored seven books, and I just know what's on his life. We need to hear. There's a story and a testimony to his walk, and I just believe it was so key. And we wish you would have been here in person for a conference, but that, that's not possible, but he, he's here tonight digitally. And so I want you to open up your heart, open up your uh, minds to, to receive what God wants to do through Dr. Maiden tonight. Hey, it's an honor to be with the Resurgence family. Thank you, Pastor Travis. Thank you, team, for this invitation. Sorry we couldn't be there in person. Looking forward to being in your beautiful country as soon as possible. It's an amazing thing what God has done through the Resurgence Ministry. He did a great job, Travis. I want to share a couple things that are on my heart for you guys in this great season. You know, um, every life that's on the planet, we believe in the sovereignty of God, the, the providence of God, that, that he called us to be alive now, that you are in this world on purpose for a purpose from God. And so I just want to share some things because God's called you to be a history maker. That's my little title. You are a history maker for the kingdom of God. My first point is this. My first idea is this. In Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I called you. I spoke out your name. I ordained a life for you. And his life was to be a prophet. But that prophetic revelation is for every believer. God knew you from eternity past. God called you. God ordained and mapped out a plan, a purpose, an agenda, a destiny for your life. And so our earthly job is not to create destiny. It's to discover the predestined purpose of God that God had already written, scripted for our lives. Your life matters. Think about the, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, we are wonderfully and fearfully made. As we discover in science, did you know the DNA from your body goes to the sun and back over six times if it was stretched out? That's millions and millions of miles. Think about how wonderful that is. Your mind has a memory storage capacity for six million years. We're just beginning to understand through neurosciences the great complexity of our brains, how blessed we are as people created in the image of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Paul uses the great word for workmanship, poema. Our, the closest English word would be a poem. But a poema was a one-of-a-kind original masterpiece created by a master artist. You, my friend, are a one-of-a-kind original masterpiece. Have you ever viewed yourself that way? Have you ever allowed your identity as a child of God to give you such a loving boldness? You are so loved. You are so wanted. You are so called. There's nobody like you. Nobody has your fingerprints. Nobody has your DNA. Nobody has your personality. Nobody has your, your unique set of gifts and potential. You are God's workmanship created to do amazing things in this lifetime. 
And the second thing I want to say to you is that you are so loved. You are so loved. We cannot exaggerate the love of God toward us. It's impossible to over-explain, over to over-proclaim how much God loves this world, how much God loves you. John 3.16 says, God so loved this world. He so loved this world. He so loved this world. What did he do? He refused to let us die in sin. He so loved this world that he gave us his only begotten son. That's Jesus. That whoever believes in Jesus would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's God's love. Jesus is the proof of how much God loves you. You are so loved. 1 John 3, 1 says this, Behold what manner, what quality, what fashion of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, the sons and daughters of God. That's who you are. God adopted you. God loved you. God wanted you. God called you. God chose you. God predestined you. God fought for you. The devil couldn't keep you from God. There was nothing that happened in your world that God would let keep you from him. He, he is your mighty conqueror, your great champion. The Bible says, what can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, peril, nakedness, sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded, Paul said in Romans 8, and either that life or death, things present, things to come, angels or demons, any other thing can separate us from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. God loves you, and he wants you to live with an abiding confidence, an abiding expression, an abiding experience, knowing how loved you are. You are so loved. Jeremiah 31 says this, verse 3, I have loved you, God speaking so beautifully to broken people. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Think about this. God, from eternity past, before there was a world, God called out your name. God chose you. God wanted you. God mapped out how tall you'd be, the color of your eyes. God mapped out the purpose and plan and destiny that he created for you. That's how much you are loved. That's how much God loves you today. There's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. That's how great, how powerful his love is, how overcoming his love is. You have a destiny. So the Lord said to Jeremiah, I've called you because you have a destiny. You're a history maker for me. You're a world shaker. You're a difference maker. And so Jeremiah became acquainted with that as a young person. And I'm so proud of the young people that make up the resurgent movement as, as young adults that are pursuing God's purpose in, in, in every arena of life. I'm proud that you have dedicated your hearts to Christ, that you're seeking the will of God, that you're following the principles of the kingdom of God, that you have become a disciple of Christ. It's amazing what God's going to do through your story and through your life. So God has a purpose and a plan and a destiny for your life. Jeremiah 29 says this. God, God says to people, once again, people that were unsure, uncertain because of their own heartaches, their own difficulties, the confusion of their season, God said to them, I know the thoughts that I think about you, says the Lord. Here's what, here's what is on my mind, God says, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
to give you a future and a hope. No one is more excited about your future than your loving God. God has dreamed of the destiny that your life is to carry out. And God can't wait in this season. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world around us. Your destiny is never determined by other people. Your destiny is never determined by outward circumstances. Your destiny is never determined by demonic opposition. Your destiny is determined and fulfilled by your God. No one can stop the plan of God for your life. That's how powerful God's plan is. Your dream is stronger than your enemy. Your dream is stronger than adversity. Your destiny dream will keep you alive when sickness and disease tries to take you out prematurely. God wants you to know and live in the confidence that you are alive for such a time as this. In the book of Esther, a young orphan girl had a life-transforming season of time. When she was adopted, her parents died. She was adopted by a godly Jewish man named Mordecai who raised her in the things of God. And I, I suppose she was still a teenager in her late teenage years when the king of Babylon was looking for a new wife. And he chose Esther. She found favor. Her name before Esther was Hadassah, which means myrtle tree. But she had a new name. It's, it's a portrait of the transformation of our lives in Christ. When I came to Christ, when you came to Christ, I got a new name, a new nature, a new calling, a new destiny. Everything was made new. First, Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God is a new life for you. God is a new dream for you, a new faith, a new hope, a new vision, a new strength. And he wants you to enter into everything that he has for you. He wants to tell you who you really are. Don't let your past tell you who you are. Don't let your pain tell you who you are. Don't let your problems or sin tell you who you are. Your loving God is the most powerful voice, most accurate voice, and most for forming voice telling you your identity. That's what the Bible is, a book of identity, a mirror telling us who we are in Christ. And this, this little girl became queen of all of Babylon. And she went, it was a, a true rags to riches story. And her people, the Jewish people, were about to be massacred and destroyed by Haman, an evil anti-Semite in Babylon. And Mordecai came to her and said, honey, you're supposed to do something about this, spoke lovingly to his daughter and said, who knows for such a time as this, maybe you've come to the kingdom. And I just want to say this to you, for such a time as this, my dear friends in resurgence, my dear friends in Canada, Travis and the team, you have come to the kingdom to make a difference, to change history, to shake the world for such a time as this. You were born on purpose. You were born with purpose. And you're going to live a life of purpose. That's God's desire. That's God's calling. God, that's God's best for your life as his child to know and live and express and, and, and fulfill that purpose. You have a destiny. So it's so important because without dreams, people always make bad decisions when they don't have a dream governing their future. So the, the, the decisions we make today are formed by the dream we have for tomorrow. When we don't have a dream or destiny, we make inappropriate 
or insufficient or inadequate decisions. The dream you have for the future determines the decisions you make today. God, give us dreams. God, give your beautiful resurgent family, every one of them, a destiny dream. I don't care how bad it looks in your business, your environments, your decisions. And, and see, the, the whole world is facing fearfulness, hopelessness, anxiety, discouragement, depression. But God has a different world for us to live in called the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, things are different. And God always has a plan for every season of our lives. And God will download his plan to you. And God will make the worst thing that happened to you become the best thing he does through you. That's how powerful your loving God is. You're going to overcome life's heartaches, hostilities, and disappointments because it's in your DNA as a child of God to overcome. You are an overcomer. 1 John 5, 4 says this, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That's God's saying to you, the moment you came to Christ, you were not just born again. You were born into a family of overcomers. The DNA of Christ is in you. Romans 8 says we are more than conquerors. Think about that. Hupe mone, that, that we have a hyper or super victorious attitude about life. God's going to help you live in that victorious mindset and not be degraded and not, and not be overcome by depression, by, by any kind of hopelessness or anxiety. You're going to think differently because God's going to use you in this season and God's going to show off in your story. God's going to make the devil pay for what he's tried to do against you. Watch what's about to happen. The steps of a good man and of a good woman are ordained by the Lord. The path of the just, Proverbs says, gets better and better, brighter and brighter. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. No good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. The Bible says this in Psalm 34, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. There's nothing you're going through that God can't bring you through. There's nothing you've been through that God can't heal you from and restore you from. That's how great your loving God is. That's his plan and purpose for your life. You might say, well, Pastor, I've, I've had this go wrong, and I've, I've lost some money or opportunity. My family's been suffering. I, um, my wife and I know about those kinds of losses. Let me give you a little thumbnail testimony. I've been doing this. Uh, I've had the great honor of serving the church 42 years. And um, it's such a privilege. I'm deeply humbled that God would entrust me to do this. And I love doing it. But 25 years ago, I had started a church 35 years ago in my boyhood hometown of Scottsdale, Arizona. And the Lord blessed that church. We had many miracles happen. Um, Israel Houghton was our worship leader. He's a prominent worship leader now and, and changed the world. We, we had so many cool things happen, and our church grew to about 4,000 people on the weekends after 10 years. And so we had bought land, and we're building a building that would seat 4,800 people in Scottsdale. And in August of 1995, when our building was halfway up, our church treasurer embezzled $20 million. He stole all, all of our money. Many of us had our accounts in his his bank, his, his investment company. 
And so just like that, our church lost everything. We had 10 front page headline front page stories written about us. That man went to prison as a con man. And our church diminished from 4,000 on the weekends to 140 people. We had six lawsuits, two class action lawsuits, which thousands of people were a part of. I had 15 concurrent attorneys at the same time. I fell into a manic, serious, and often suicidal depression for two and a half years. My oldest son started doing drugs and became addicted to drugs. Our family was homeless. We had death threats. Every imaginable evil rained down upon us, and I was only 37, and I thought my life was over. And a little while into it, the Lord said to me, Michael, would you like the pain that you feel to go away? I said, yes, I would, Lord. He said this, Michael, if you will forgive the people that have hurt you, I will make you forget the pain they caused you. And I'll never forget that time because I, I viewed myself as a victim that this businessman, this treasurer in our church had stolen money from us and people had taken advantage of the church in that weak moment and, and there were so many things that had gone wrong, so many uh, uh, people that were hurtful toward us and, and so I viewed it all as uh, uh, being a victim and the Lord was recalibrating my mind. He says, you know what? You can forgive your way out of the prison cell of the pain that people have put you in. Well, I... I made a list of the people, and I, and I started praying every day, four times a day, for the people that had hurt me. And nothing, and I, I quoted scriptures and praying good things for them. Six or seven weeks into it, I'm just doing it. I, you know, from the very beginning, I didn't feel any emotions. In fact, I said to the Lord at the beginning of it, Lord, if I say I forgive them, but if I don't feel forgiveness, won't that be being a hypocrite? If I say that I love someone, or if I say forgive them, but if I don't really genuinely feel it, that, that makes me a hypocrite, doesn't it? And the Lord gave me this vision, and it was of a long train. And at the beginning of the train was this gigantic engine, this, this powerful engine that was pulling this great train, and it had the word faith emblazoned across it. And way down at the end of the train, maybe 100 cars down, was the caboose, the very last car. And it had the word feelings on it. And here's what I knew God was telling me, that if I would set my faith in motion and forgive people by faith, eventually my emotions, my feelings would catch up to my faith. Well, I did. I started praying four times a day for people. About the seventh week into it, the Holy Spirit visited me in my car. I had a, just a divine encounter. It's the only way I can describe it. And when I got home, I realized I'd been, I'd been convulsing and, and weeping and just really, really touched by God. And when I got home, I realized my heart didn't hurt anymore, that God had lifted the pain out of me. Now, that comes from the book of Genesis, a story of a man named Joseph. And Joseph was called to be a pioneer and a deliverer and a waymaker for his family, but his family betrayed him. His older brothers betrayed him. He was called to make a difference in Egypt, and one of the Egyptian political leaders, an important person named Potiphar, betrayed him. And so the people he was called to help had caused him the greatest hurt. But God restored his journey. The Bible says in, in Genesis 41, verse 14, and, jo and Pharaoh called and sent guards to go get Joseph. And they brought him quickly out of the prison. And Joseph changed his garment, shaved his beard, and came to Pharaoh. And a couple points 
See, see, the devil would try to disqualify you through unforgiveness about the promise of your next season. But you can't look like your history when you're about to enter your destiny. And the way that we shave off our prison beard is to forgive people that have hurt us. Forgive them and watch what God does. He will give you love for the people that have hurt you. He will give you love for the people that have broken your heart. He will give you, he will empty your heart from all bitterness. It's so nice to have an enemy's list with no name on it but the devil. That you're not mad at anybody but the devil. And that promise is for every believer. Forgive them no matter what they've done, no matter how bad it was, no matter how, how unjust and hurtful or traumatic it was. There's no pain that forgiveness can't heal you from. Forgiveness heals. And God will honor your, your forgiveness. And so the Lord healed me. And Joseph gave a summation of his story in Genesis 50, verse 20. At the end of his life, he's preaching a sermon. He's declaring this great prophetic insight about his life. And he said this over his brothers and their families. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good as it is this day in saving many people alive. You, the word meant means to weave, to purpose, to imagine, to plan. And he said, you weaved a scheme of evil against me. You planned in purpose and imagined evil. But God put his hand on the weaver's beam. And God imagined and purposed it for good. I just want to say a couple of things in your story. If it's not good yet, it only means God's not done yet. Romans 8.28 says this, we know that all things, good things, bad things, ugly things, work together for the good of them that love God, who are called according to his purpose. So God says this, give me the chance to work it for good. If it's not good yet, it just means God's not done yet. Don't give up before God writes a good ending to your story. And for you in this time, this turbulent time as a young person, don't let the te devil tell you, I was 37 when my dream was shattered. And, and here's what I found out. When hope walks out, depression walks in. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred, lost or destroyed or stolen makes your heart sick. But when desire comes, it's a tree of life. So hope is oxygen to your soul. Like our lungs need oxygen, our souls need hope. When we're deprived of hope, we suffocate under the negative consequences of unhealthy emotions. So we're called to live in the greenhouse of God's hope. And in this season, when there's a lot of hopelessness, uncertainty, chaos, and confusion, we should be the carriers of a hope that says God's going to make it good. God's going to turn it around. God's going to do great things. The best is yet to come. That we would carry an unexplainable, supernatural, joyous hope about what God's going to do. Hope gives us this kind of dream that God's about to do something great, that anything can happen at any time, that something good, something very good is about to happen in your life. That's what hope tells us, and that's where hope carries us. God healed me from a serious manic and suicidal depression. Now it's been over 25 years, 27 years ago, and I just wanted to declare over you, anxiety is leaving you, hopelessness is leaving you, discouragement is leaving you, depression is leaving you. Uncertainty is leaving you. God is going to love the pain out of you. And God's going to give you a plan. And God's going to give you insight. 
You can't change maybe everything that's happening in Canada, but you can change what's happening in here. As the Holy Spirit engages you in this season of becoming healthy, let's become the healthiest we've ever been. Let's become more like Christ. Let's love people. Let's shine the light of hope. Let's be prophetic in the way that we hear from God. Jesus said that my sheep, i.e. my people, hear my voice. So God has a healing word for you. God has a guiding word for you. God will show you things to come, Jesus said in John 16. The Holy Spirit will show you a plan for the purpose so that you can do the right thing at the right time with the right people. God will help you get that kind of coordination. And the Lord healed me in the same city where we had a massive public scandal. We've had a supernatural comeback that people talk about and that we're humbled by and we're grateful for God will give you a comeback if you need one. God will give you a breakthrough. God will heal you and help you. No matter where you stand in this moment in history, God's with you. God called you. You're a one-of-a-kind original. You are so loved. Your life has a great destiny. And you are called to overcome every hardship of this world. Daniel said it like this, but they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That's what God's called you to do. Be strong. Well, Pastor, I don't feel strong. It's okay to feel weak. It's not okay to stay weak because we have access to strength through God. They that wait upon the Lord, Isaiah 40 says, shall renew, replenish their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not faint. There's no strength depletion in your story that God can't heal men and help you with. I pray for a breakthrough. I pray for an avalanche of testimonies that start filling your life of what God can do in this season. Let your faith be built on God's promises. Let your hope be strong. Let it be a fertile field of great of great possibilities where the seeds of God's word can grow up and you can see miracle after miracle. May God give you a fresh vision about your future and the life that God has for you as his child. It's been an honor to talk to you today, Resurgence family and Travis. God bless you all. The best is yet to come for Canada. The best is yet to come for Resurgence. And the best is yet to come in your life, my dear friend. God bless you. Thanks for letting me speak to you today. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.